In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to Stop Raising Einstein. Your host, Tara Kennedy Klein, is out to dispel that myth of the perfect child and encourage parents to let them out of the box. Each child is unique, and this show is just the place to stand up and shout out that fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. So right now, join the queen of accountability who advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. Here is your host, Tara Kennedy Klein. show. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to be here with you today for Dad Day. (laughs) I love that. The first Tuesday of every month, we're going to be celebrating dads and parenting. So um, I'm really excited to be joined by Dr. John Mayer, who is going to be our dad of the month this week, this month of October. And I really connected with Dr. Mayer for two different reasons. Um, The first reason is because being the kind of person who believes in the law of attraction, and I'm a huge John Mayer fan, I have like these vision boards in my office, and I have people that I want to connect with and get to know. So I have these things, like I, I cut out words and phrases and pictures of people and places and things, and one of the biggest things that I have on my vision board is John Mayer. So... When I connected with Dr. Mayer, I was like, okay, the universe (laughs) got it wrong once again, but brought an amazing human being into my life. And the second reason that I connect with Dr. Mayer is because we are on the same kind of path in regard to connecting families through unique paths. And my path is more of, you know, finding kids' unique brilliance and, and helping them to discover how who you are as a person. Dr. Mayer takes the approach of health and fitness as a way to connect the family unit, which I absolutely love. So I want to enjoy or introduce you to Dr. John Mayer. Hello. How are you? I don't know if I've, I should even open my mouth after that wonderful uh, introduction. <laughs> it's going to be all downhill from there. Oh, no. <laughs> well, what, if you don't try to sing, like then I think we'll be okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, sing or play the guitar, by the way, are two talents I just don't have. That's why I concentrate on what I do, and I often tell that the families that come in, you know, I... I can't fix your awning outside or, you know, tune up your car, but this I know real, real well. So, fixing fixing so your family, uh, that, that's your field of expertise. That's And that's a pretty awesome talent, if you ask me. Thank you. Well, well thank I think you so, so much for joining me today. I was kind of excited about a topic that you brought to the table that has been in the back of my mind for a long time, being that I am a Penn State alum, along with my husband. And Mm -hmm. 
Um, my son is a football player and has been since he's a wee little tyke. And my other, son, my youngest son is involved in karate. And I'm the kind of mom that you know never gave much thought to the integrity of the people that are coaching my kids, because I watch them from the sidelines and I watch them talk to my children and inspire my children and you know do all these great things with my kids that I believe in. So it never occurred to me that there was a second piece of being a coach that I should be concerned with until the whole Penn State, Jerry Sandusky thing started happening. And then I became that mom who told my kid, don't don't take a shower after you're done with football. Come home and, and take your shower at home. Right. Right. You know, and then I started thinking about it and I'm like. I can't be the only mom who feels like this, right? So then I got your um, I got your information about or sh- for a show topic, and it totally spoke to me. You know, who are these people that are coaching our kids? Yes, Tara, and I I totally agree, and I think this topic should speak to every parent. Um, after the Penn State tragedy, I'm calling it, I was interviewed quite a bit uh, last year when it broke, and one of the phrases I used besides the one that I sent to you, which is, who are these people, is also that the age of innocence is over when it comes to sports. You know, we have traditionally just said about sports, you know, my God, what could be a more wholesome activity for my son or daughter to go off into a sports camp or go off with the coach for a weekend on a travel trip or what an honor. And, and you know, it's sports. It's wholesome. It's clean. It's uh, all-American. And I think the Penn State tragedy should be our Alamo as parents when it comes to calling attention to who are these people that are in front of our children. One of the things I alerted you to in, in the email we exchanged about this show is that the vast majority of people who are coaching our children, instructing our children, and I would venture to say this could probably extend to the arts and crafts. Um, These are volunteer people in coaching and sports. The statistics are overwhelming that six to one, the people that are coaching kids across the country and any sport, any gender uh, are volunteer coaches. So that means nobody's scrutinizing this. A school uh, necessarily an organization isn't, uh, they're not passing the muster of that organization to be qualified, safe, knowledgeable about what they're doing. So it's, it's, it is a big, big concern. It is. It's amazing, too, because, you know, when I thought back uh, over all the years that my kids have been in sports, you know, we got called to be part of the chain gang, you know, to to mark off, you know, plays and stuff like that or, you know, to to work in the concession stands and that sort of thing. So it always seemed to me that those volunteers would be parents. And then I started thinking about the staff that my that 
that my child has been involved with over the last three years in junior high sports and they're not parents. I don't know those people. I mean, right. I'm not saying that they're bad people. I don't want I don't want to create this, you know, sense of panic and uh, distrust around the entire, you know, th- uh, topic of sports, our kids in sports. I don't want to do that. Right. But what I do want to do is bring up the fact that you probably aren't neighbors with the person who is coaching your kid. Not all of them, anyway. You know, you probably don't run in the same circles as them. So how do we how do we get to know these people and to what extent? Like where where are our boundaries as parents and should we even have them? Well, as you're getting to know me and know that I always come from a place of solutions. So I have some very practical things to say about your very last question. But first I wanna go back and, and agree with you that that's exactly right. They're not necessarily parents on the sidelines. Uh, and in fact, next time it's fall, next time you're at the football game, probably this weekend, also take a look at how many people are on the sidelines now. You know, it's not just the team and a few coaches, but we have, uh, you might want to call them hangers-on. Uh, and again, these, these volunteers are these people. And the point is, Tara, and you said it so adroitly there, that, you know, who are these people? And uh, they're not necessarily my neighbors, uh, other parents. And all it takes is one person to say something inappropriate to a child and that can change their life forever, for a long time, get them dissuaded from playing in a sport or sports in general or leading a healthy lifestyle with one comment coming off the field like oh you're stupid or Mm -hmm. you know you know something like that or worse i don't want to say on the air you know uh, some of the the uh, slang and and curses that happen and especially in a game that's aggressive like football oh absolutely in, in a lot of games i did an interview not too long ago with a mom just like yourself who had a boy who was 11 years old, uh, just starting out with peewee football, and she said, I was shocked at the language that these coaches used in oh, front of the kids. Absolutely. Know. You know, it, that's it's so funny that you bring that up because we have um, we have a group of kids in our neighborhood, and, you know, I, I'm, the, I'm the go-to mom. You know, I have the open door that, you know, your kids are welcome in my house every time, anytime, but, you know, we have certain rules in our home, and we don't use disrespectful conversation in our home. And, you know, the, the kids, you can tell the ones who, like, swear freely because they're the ones who are, like, catching themselves <laughs> right. when they're standing in the kitchen. But I was at a baseball game this just this past summer, and you know I heard words, the f bomb coming out of little kids' mouths, you know that are that were screaming for their teammates, and the coaches were just standing there letting them do it. And I thought, right. you know what, coach? Here's the thing: you want to talk about why kids are disrespectful nowadays? It's because you allow it. You know That's exactly right. And that's what we try to teach. I, I think I also put in the email that I'm a part of a organization, a nonprofit organization called the Center for Ethical Youth Coaching. Uh, and their website is Center for, I, I'm sorry, it's ethicalyouthcoaching.com. 
and I didn't know we were going to talk this in depth about this today, so I wasn't prepared to send you that link, but um, ethicalyouthcoaching.com, chock full of information about exactly what we're talking about for parents. And this is what we're trying to teach these coaches and these adults. Again, they're not bad people. In fact, they're wonderful people to volunteer their time. But often they're not informed or knowledgeable about the effect that they may think these little things have on children. We shouldn't allow children to use slang and curse words. And here's the thing, and you just said it, and I really want to emphasize this point. These adults don't understand how that's going to come back and be negative for them in their leadership, in the cooperation the kids have, uh, in their spirit, in their motivation. So it, it really behooves the coach and all the adults involved in sports Yes, that, you know what? We're going to continue oh, that, that when break. we come back. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the show. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. Are you powerless to stop making choices that hinder your happiness, your peace of mind, your sense of fulfillment, or success? Have your choices resulted in broken relationships, job losses, and financial chaos? Then be here for Strategies for Healing from Addictions with your hosts, Gary and Sharon Worrell. Monday mornings at 9 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Strategies for Healing coaches and empowers and seeks to help people discover their goals and reach those goals quickly. Provide structure, tools, and perspective to help clients accomplish more in their lives. To encourage clients to think bigger and realize their full potential. Strategies for Healing endeavors to see each individual come to a place of purposeful living apart from addictions. Check out the website, strategiesforhealing.com. Then join us for Strategies for Healing from Addictions with your hosts, Gary and Sharon Worrell. Monday mornings at 9 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism, the historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years, how can we hold on to what we hold dear, and the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com.
Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, my parent families out there, I thank you for coming back to the Stop Raising Einstein show. I'm being joined by Dr. John Mayer, and um, John Mayer is, um, well, besides being one of my favorite musicians, this is not that John Mayer. Um, he, Dr. John Mayer is the author of over 20 books, and um, the newest series that he has coming out is his Family Fit 2 series, which is the sequel to his Family Fit series, where he teaches families and parents to get healthy through exercise and eating and all of that great stuff together, which I absolutely love, and it's a perfect fit for what we're doing um, right, right now on this show and talking about sports and coaches and, and ethics and how we can get to know the people that are spending a lot of time outside the home with our kids. You know, we all want our kids to be active and, and um, exercise and, and have social interaction and have team mentalities. But it's kind of hard when things like the Penn State Jerry Sandusky scandal are keeping us from trusting those people that we leave our children in the care of. So, um, Dr. Mayor, before the break, you were um, you were making a point about um, the the communication and the ethics that coaches use in front of our kids without considering the impact that it's really going to have on our kids down the road. Yes. And I talked about that organization that I'm involved in, the Center for Ethical Youth Coaching, and they have a wonderful manual that they put out, and there's sections in there for coaches to alert them to these, I may call them, developmental issues of children that are in their care. Children that are in their care. We forget that these individuals are caring for our children while we're not present. And... um, that organization has a really fantastic manual out the, the the best of its kind, which uh, alerts coaches to these developmental needs of kids. And again, it's to the coach's advantage because it teaches them what is workable and doable at different ages for uh, children to excel at sports. You know, a lot of times these Adults are just copying what they see on in the media and TV, how to be a coach, and it doesn't work for the 10-year-old or the, you know, 12-year-old. So it exactly. makes common sense for them to get more knowledgeable in this area. Ugh. And, you know, I love that you brought that up because that's one of the big things that I advocate for with the parents that I work with is to get to know the ages and stages of your kids. And... You know, I'm always telling them if you knew what was appropriate for your child at different stages of development, you would be a lot more tolerant of the mistakes that they make. And, and more you, effective, Tara, if I, if I can jump in, more effective with our discipline and the, how we interface with uh, our children. Exactly. And, you know, it's so funny because we were just at my son's football game last week. And, you know, there we are sitting there cheering for our team and cheering for our kids. And our coaching staff is very aware, I must say. 
But there's this coach on the other end of the field that was screaming so horribly and so meanly at those kids. I thought, do you, buddy, do you really think that you're inspiring those kids to do anything? Like, what would make them want to make you happy or make you proud of them when you're saying, you know, things like, what the hell's wrong with you? I can't believe you missed that pass. And, you know, like scream when they're getting over on the sidelines, smacking them in the back of the head. I'll tell you what, John, if somebody smacked my kid in the back of the head like that, they'd have to pull me off of them. As you should. And more parents should have that notion. See, there again, the age of innocence of sports is over because so many adults, when it comes to sports, when we see the smack in the head to our children, let's say, just going to, oh, well, you know, it, they're the coach. They know what they're mm-hmm. doing. We need to take control of our sports, our children, those adults that are in our child's life. Simply as, I don't want to treat my child that way. So, we, you know, <laughs> we wanted to get back to something both of us are noted for, Tara, and that is solutions. And that's one solution right there that parents can take, which is speak up. If you see a coach that's behaving, that's teaching your child, that's the essence of coaching, is teaching. But just teachers in a different area, which is in sports. If you see your your, your child being taught in a way that you don't like, speak up. This is how I don't want you to be a coach. Which brings me to another very practical solution that parents need to please pay attention to. And it's twofold. One, participate. Go to the games. So many times it's sad to see at the younger ages, you hardly have any parents there at the games. They just drop the child off, and then it's free time, you know, it's found time to do errands or... Because, again, the child's going to be gamefully entertained and you know it's sports it's so wholesome so i don't have to worry about it but boy i can get my dry cleaning and i can go to the store and get our groceries for the week and pick them up after the game so that brings me to the other part of that uh, practical solution is just please parents please if you're going to have found time whether it's with a practice or a game that's that's fine but take five ten maybe fifteen minutes as you drop them off, observe, watch your child, watch the coaches. And again, as you go to pick them up, come a little early. Again, practices is my favorite example. Come a little early to practice. See how the coach's nature is, how he treats the players. And again, here's the other the double-edged sword of this, or the win-win, is that you also observe how your child is socializing with the other children and how they're being friends. So you can instruct your child and teach your child, you know, Jimmy, I didn't like how you were treating that other boy. Um, mm-hmm. See how that works? So I implore Absolutely. parents to, you know, just observe. These are phenomenal times for parents to observe their children out of school and, and sometimes unstructured activities, you know, when they're waiting around and during practice or you know, not participating in the practice, you know, the, the, the first team is on, etc. Great time for parents to observe their children and then be instructive. Uh, so those are things I really want to get across when we talk about this issue. Uh, this will help this issue a lot by just getting involved at those two ways. 
I agree. I agree. And I'll tell you what, John, the other thing that I found is when I attend a game or when I attend a practice, when we leave, I don't jump right into, you know, well, what the heck was that? You know, how, why, why would you have missed that ball? Or, you know, how could you have missed that tackle? Or I go into that, that looked like a really tough game. You know, what was, what was something that, that you thought you could improve on? And what was your proudest moment? And I really love that that gives my son an opportunity to praise himself. And as long as he's doing that, as long as he is finding things that he did right, then he is more open to uh, constructive feedback on things that he could do better. You know, I know so many parents that as soon as their kid gets in the car or whatever after the game, they're drilling them and drilling them and drilling them about everything they did wrong. And I'm like, you know what, buddy? Here's the thing. Get out on the field and play with your kid sometime. And if you can do everything that you expected your kid to do, then I'll step back and shut up. But until then... Hey, let's, <laughs> right. let's, hey, let's add that up to these coaches as well. And we're not bashing coaches on this show. And, no, no, and that's not another at thing all. I want to add, as you said. Go try to teach your child. Go try to coach your child in a sport, and you'll see how difficult it is to, to be a coach. So also don't get in the car and go, what did, what did that coach do now? Or what, is, what a knucklehead play did he do? You know, rah, 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 rah. You know uh, it's important to be supportive of those teachers as well, just like we're supportive of teachers in school. You know, and what, did, what are we learning from this? How could we have done it different? Tara, that's perfect. And I want to say, and this is why you have someone like me on the show, because, you know, you're, you're a very, very insightful, knowledgeable mom. But let me add a, a perspective to it that you may not be aware of. Mm-hmm. Everything you just said here about getting in the car, being supportive with your child, and pointing out the good things that they've done, we call, we psychologists call that giving the child a sense of mastery. And mm. it's a very important developmental need of children nowadays especially there's not a lot of areas that they can get this sense of mastery over the world life their their own talents and so when a parent gets in a car like that and says i really liked how you were and, and we get to simple things you were running down the field or how you backed up this play or how you were cheering on those guys who who were playing when you weren't that gives the child a sense of mastery, and it's so important, and it's so lacking in modern children. So when you do that, parents, it's a very important psychological and developmental need that you're filling by doing it. It's not just a throwaway statement. So exactly. that's an excellent thing that you're doing. And the other thing I want parents to really understand is when you open up your child to mastery, as you say, and I love that terminology, you're also opening them up to empowering um, conversations that they're willing to have with you. And if you're concerned about what's, you know, the way the coach is acting on the line or on the, on the sidelines, you know, how is that amplified when they get into the locker room? If you are allowing your child to speak about the things that they, um, that they appreciated about what they did or telling them the good things about what they did, giving them a voice voice and allowing them to speak up, they're going to be a lot more willing to tell you about what's going on in the locker room, too. And I think exactly. that's really important to remember. It, it opens up communication. And I wanted to get just back very quickly 
that example of seeing the coach on the other side yelling and screaming at the children. And this is another example for parents that not only is about sports, but is about your households as well. And in fact, in my book, Family Fit, uh, my newest book, I talk, I have a whole chapter on yelling. It's just called yelling. <laughs> and what I do is point out, prove the parents how yelling doesn't work. And we can talk about that a lot more when we come back from our next break. Stay tuned for more of the show. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. Attention parents and teachers. Here is a series of alarming yet true facts about the current state of teaching reading in the United States. The federal government has spent close to half a trillion dollars to improve reading ability, and yet we still have over 8 million students who cannot read on grade level. 440,000 students who have a total reading vocabulary of 50 words or less, and a national dropout rate of one new student every 26 seconds. Sadly, one of these could be yours. Fortunately, it's not too late to help. Introducing The Reading Show with Dr. Joe, a fast-paced, highly informative, easy-to-listen-to show led by nationally recognized reading authority, Dr. Joe Lakovich. For more on Joe on the show, check out his website, failurefreeonline.com. Listen in this week to learn amazingly simple ways to turn this problem around. The Reading Show with Dr. Joe, with your host, Dr. Joe Lakovich, Fridays at 10 a.m. Central on toginet.com. I am not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones, Monday nights at 10, 9 Central on Toginet. This is your chance, ladies, to hear stories of hope and healing from someone who's been there, someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of this trauma, she has gone on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free is a straight-up show to enlighten you and to lighten your load. Do not let the weight of this world or the things that have happened to you control your life. For more on the show and Diane and her book, The Story of Me, email her directly from her show page here on Toginet. Then, join us for I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be, I'm Free, with Minister Diane Jones, Monday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We are talking with Dr. John Mayer of Family Fit. And um, there's another series of books that you have, too, called the Parents Mini Manual Series. And um, I really want people to check those out on the web as soon as they got 
get the opportunity. Um, just a little plug out there for Noggin Power too, and um, that's your one website and the other drjohnmayer.com. So I really want people to check that out for more information about um, how Dr. Mayer's tools can help your family get in shape and get healthy, um, both physically and in relationship wise too. So Dr. John, before the break, we were talking about, uh, one of the chapters in your book, um, yelling, yelling doesn't work, which I totally believe in, but I have to admit I am a reformed yeller. So, and, <laughs> And I do like to talk, so if people cut me off, I do tend to get louder. But um, <laughs> so tell as us. As long as you're still going to your 12-step program, you're in good shape. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Your your non-yelling 12-step program. Well, <laughs> stop raising that's exactly ideas. what <laughs> that's exactly what we were talking about before the break, and the, the example being the coach you observed across the sidelines who was screaming at children, and and again, it goes back to many things we've been talking about here. Tara today, and that is not only are these things not helpful for the child, maybe destructive for the child, but they plain ordinarily don't work for you to be an effective coach, teacher, parent. And yelling is a prime example of that. And in Family Fit, I point out, I say, I prove to you that yelling doesn't work because, again, my role in society. Uh, as a psychologist, is to take what we know from science and apply it to everyday behavior. And here's a prime example. Why I prove it in Family Fit is because I prove that what science has shown us is that yelling is just not effective at getting children to do what you want, and children of all ages. So there's other more effective ways in which to lead, motivate, uh, change, uh, and plain ordinary, get children to do what you want them to do, mm-hmm. and yelling doesn't work. Because the first thing, here's just a little glimpse of what I talk about in, the, in that chapter, is that the first thing in human nature, in the human brain we do, once, when the volume goes up, the strain is in the voice, your eyes are bulging out, your, your veins are popping out of your neck, is that <laughs> the human brain shuts off that communication. They don't mm-hmm hear a thing it's and true. the only attention you're getting is attending to the emotion so the the learning the corrective behavior is being automatically lost or as i say in the family fit you've already lost <laughs> you, it's true. as soon as you yell you've lost <laughs> uh, and, and the child has won exactly and, uh, and go ahead y- I, I think the other thing that's important to remember too is if ninety percent of these people or you know six you know one out of every six is actually trained um, to be to work with children as a as a school staff member, the thing that I find is many of these people who are coaching from the sidelines and screaming their brains out are the same people who are screaming their brains out at a TV on Sunday and Monday nights. Um, not realizing that the people on the other end of the TV aren't listening to them either. So pretty much screaming at a group of kids on the field is about as effective as screaming at your television station, at, at your television set. It's not going to do anything except get the kids to tune you out and not learn anything from what you're teaching them or trying to teach That's them. That's what I like so much about what the Center for Ethical Youth Coaching is doing because it not only has application, 
in the sports world and as a coach, but also it's teaching adults how to be better adults. Um, and what the aim or the mission of the Center for Ethical Youth Coaching is, is they have created the first-of-its-kind certification program that a coach can become a certified ethical youth coach. Hmm. And that certification is, is a mark that that coach, you know, it's like a badge that that coach can wear, and they literally can wear a badge, by the way. That's um, awesome. That coach is, is certified, qualified, and has passed a qualification to be in front of our children. I think that's so important. I had been at a conference. This is a very important point. I was at a conference over the summer, totally not about sports, but this one panel member, and I was on a panel member with a professor at another university, and he literally screamed to the audience saying, you know, coaches in front of children is such an area of vulnerability. And, you know, in Europe, it just wouldn't be allowed. There is no coach in front of sports teams out there that isn't uh, qualified, isn't certified. But in the United States, there's no such thing until this was developed by the Center for Ethical Youth Coaching. It was a very important point. I I love that so much. And, I mean, do they teach, do they teach child development, too? I mean the fact that we're, we're standing there screaming, you know, what were you thinking? And, you know, that kind of thing. When honestly, when kids are in that moment, when, when they're on the field and they're playing and they're involved in the game, they're really not thinking five steps ahead because their brain doesn't work that way. You know, exactly. like, do they, do they literally teach them stuff like that? Oh yes. And, and show effective means other than screaming. And by the way, when we talk about yelling and screaming, in the, in the heat of a game, I, I w- I've been an athlete all my life, by the way. I haven't got a chance to say that in this program. Help paid for my education. I love sports. I still I consider myself an athlete. I have the Chicago Marathon coming up this Sunday. Um, all, that, all that being said, we are not bashing sports. In fact, we love sports. And it Absolutely. And a very important role in, in children's lives. But also that being said, is that there are effective ways to do it. But getting back to what I was saying, in the heat of a game, uh, do you have to raise your voice so children can hear you to, to give them instruction? Yes. So there's a right. difference between yelling and raising your voice to be heard. And exactly. Again, I not only talk about that in Family Fit, but the Center for Ethical Research teaches coaches how to, the difference between yelling and raising your voice in instructions. So uh, the thing I like about the center and their manual is they're like you and I, Tara. We're about not just pontificating about these issues, but giving tools and giving practical solutions. And and that's why I, I love being on your show. Hey, thank you. That's what we, you know, that's what we're all about. And I think the thing that's really amazing to remember too is when my dad was a huge baseball player and you know he was he was involved in sports in in his in his opinion when sports was great but mm-hmm. he says to me all the time you know when kids were really really amazing at sports and when they didn't quit and when they didn't give up and when they really loved it 
is when they would get a pickup game going at the playground every day and who you learned from was each other because you weren't screaming at each other you weren't you you weren't um holding it over each other's heads you didn't go home and have to listen to it for three hours after the game was over if you made a mistake your buddy said to you dude that didn't even what were you doing this is how you do it and they would they would teach each other and it was a peer kind of thing and i think we have to wonder when we've gotten to a point in society when parents aren't allowed on the field anymore, we used to time running races. It's funny that you mentioned the Chicago Marathon, John, because that's what my, my father's company did for years. We were a sports events promotions company. And we put on an event called the Iron Kids Triathlon. And oh, sure. <laughs> and we actually got to the point where we had a corral area for the parents because if a child didn't reach a personal best or didn't meet up to the parents' standards, they would physically drag the kids out of the finish line. I mean, if we've gotten to the point where we're not going to tolerate this behavior from the parents, why do we tolerate it from the coaches? And I think that's something that as parents we have to really ask ourselves. You know, are we looking at these people screaming and yelling and letting them do it because we think, well, that's what I would be doing if I had the opportunity? Or do we think that that's what sports is supposed to look like? Well, I can tell you what sports is supposed to look like, and you're going to love this story, and I hope I have enough time before I break it up because it's Two an minutes. important story, <laughs> and, and it's also a connection between us. My son participate in the Iron Kids triathlon at 10 years old Uh, and to start the story we had just gotten back from a vacation and the Chicago Tribune would always have this little kids news article and he read in the paper there's going to be a he couldn't even pronounce it Terry goes there's going to be a triathlon on on, I think I want to do that no training no nothing and we showed up it was a few blocks from our house uh, where it started he came in, to make a long story short, he came in fifth and was hooked. He oh, has man. now done five Ironmen. He <laughs> is a, yeah, yeah, he is, uh, he, he loves tri- triathlons, even though he was a very accomplished high school baseball player and recruited and uh, professional teams, he had his, his file. But he just has devoted uh, much of his athletic career to triathlons and has been very successful and started with Iron Kids. So there you go. That's and awesome. Here's, here's the family fit story. I, as a dad, go, well, if I have to drag this kid to these triathlons all over the place, I might as well do them myself. So it became a dad-son uh. bonding between us that exists to this day. And uh, it, it, he is now... 28 years old, and he has been doing it since he was 10. At 12, he was doing adult triathlons and oh getting all kinds gosh. of acclaim. And it started with Iron Kids. And that's the perfect family fit story, like I tell in my, my new book, because what a better way for us to bond as he was heading towards his preteen and teen years than sports and a physical activity, like in, in our case, triathlon. So, 100%. Uh, what, a, what a connection between us. <laughs> That's awesome. Yet another connection between us. When we come back, we're going to be talking about volunteers and other aspects of our, our children's lives.
Stay tuned for more of the show. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. The IRS can and will track your income. Can you? It's time to bulletproof your taxes. Yes, bulletproof your taxes with host Nellie Williams, Fridays at 1 Eastern on the Rockstar Radio Network. As a business owner, you know that tax deductions can lower your tax liability, but deciding which expenses are deductible and how to claim them can be confusing, frustrating, and ultimately costly when you're wrong. Former IRS Audit Supervisor Nellie Williams will help you learn what is deductible and when to take that deduction to avoid raising IRS red flags. She'll teach you how to survive an IRS audit so you don't have to pay more tax, interest, or penalties. Each week, Nellie will be here to teach us as entrepreneurs and small business owners how to pay our fair share and not a penny more. Check out her website, BulletproofYourTaxes.com. Then join us for Bulletproof Your Taxes with host Nellie Williams, Fridays at 1 Eastern on the Rockstar Radio Network. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on Toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. Welcome back, parents. We are in the final stretch of an awesome show about uh, volunteering and and who's in the locker room with our kids and joined by an amazing guest, Dr. John Mayer of the Family Fit Series. And before the break, we were talking about... um, volunteers and well the whole show has basically been about volunteers in sports and I kind of want to switch gears a little bit because I recently attended I recently chaperoned a uh, school dance a middle school dance that my children participated in my oldest son is 13 my youngest son is 11 and he has Asperger's so the principal of the school literally called me the day of the dance and said if you're if you're bringing him to the dance we'd really like you to attend with him because we're not sure how he's going to handle that and uh john you and i had talked about this before it's 
it was kind of shocking to me um, when I got there. I had to sign in as a volunteer, as a chaperone, and they gave me a badge to wear. And they gave me a list of 20 things that were rules of the dance. And they were things like you can't take soda on the dance floor. You can't uh, use your cell phones on the dance floor. Um, It was uh, no skirts above the fingertips kind of thing. It was all that um, basic you know, house maintenance kind of stuff. And when I got into the actual muck of the dance, there were things going on on that dance floor between teenagers that were absolutely disgusting to me. I mean, I wasn't just offended. I was disgusted. They had these things called uh, freak circles where the kids would get in a circle. Like we used to do the chicken dance. They would get in a circle and then two kids would be in the middle of the circle, either two girls or a boy and a girl, and they would be grinding on each other. This is 13 and 14 year old kids. And I was looking around at the other volunteers and many of them were up at the food stand, you know, just watching from over yonder. A lot of the teachers were standing around the sidelines and me and my girlfriend who attended together, we literally walked in the middle of the circle and said, Hey, what you doing? (laughs) And these kids looked at us like we had three heads because they had never seen that kind of um, interjection into something that they should be embarrassed about doing but were never held accountable for because it was just left to be. And I thought, you know what? Volunteerism, if you're going to volunteer for something like that, then step up and be an adult. You know what I mean? Exactly. And and what what a great segue to what we were just talking about, you know, is become involved. Speak up as a parent, you know, these are our children. I can't think of anything more precious in my life, and I'm sure you agree with this, and I'm sure 99% of the listeners out there are going to agree with what I'm about to say. I can't think of anything more precious in my life than my children. Absolutely. And yet, when we, we see them and these things happen around them, we don't speak up. Well, well we would take action if there's, you know, if there are sick and they got sniffles and a cough and it's not going away, of course we go take them to the doctor. That's being a great parent. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very tangible. It's very practical. Well, this is being a great parent too. And this is how society is going to change. Only when we speak out and step into those situations, Tara, like you did. And that takes courage. I, I applaud you. I want to applaud you on air to say <laughs> thank you for your courage. To, to go into the middle of that because it does come on. It does take courage, doesn't it? I mean, it's a little nervous. You know, you're a little nervous, sure. and what's going to happen? Is one of these kids going to, you know, clock me? with me? Or sure. yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It takes courage to be a parent, and yeah. we often don't talk about that out loud. Uh, but everyone listening is going to resonate with that that concept that it takes courage. It takes courage to take your child to the hospital and when they're sick and to stay overnight in the hospital room, etc. And these sound so dramatic, but people mm-hmm. are doing this every day. Well, it takes courage to get out there and say, this is wrong. I don't want my child participating in this. And sure. the courage to take it to the next step, which is to email. First, let's just say email, let alone being right physically in the face of that principal and saying, 
why is this allowed at my school? <laughs> and, in, and with my precious child, why is this allowed? And how, sure. could, how dare you? How dare you allow it? Mm-hmm. What's wrong here? <laughs> you know, we need and to have, ha- we have more parents to do that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I get passionate I, about these issues. <laughs> I know, I know. And and that's why I love having you on the show, because that's the kind of passion that we need to bring to these topics so that parents get it. And I think the one thing that gave me the courage to step in to that situation is that I have had conversations with my kids about the uncomfortable stuff. And... Yeah. I would love if you, because I know that you have a tool that you use, um, the Aw Shucks tool, um, to, to kind of help broach those really uncomfortable subjects with our teenagers. Because I think one of the big reasons that parents hide their eyes from it is because they don't want to visualize their kids having sex and they don't want to visualize their kids being dirty. And our kids don't know that they're doing it. We have to understand that they're not little adults who are born with common sense about sexuality. So, you know, as volunteers, as parents, you know, I have kids come into my house that ask me questions about sex that their parents won't answer. And the fact of the matter is, if I'm not being vulgar and if I'm not being, you know, grossly explicit, I'm just giving them practical, realistic answers. I don't see the problem with telling them where I stand on this stuff. So what is your tool for parents to start these conversations? Well, as you you know, and we're going to let everybody into, we've talked about this before, and I'm not a big advocate, and never have been, and I've been doing this over 25 years, by the way, to let everybody know I'm not just a rookie right out of the box here. (laughs) Um, But I'm not a big advocate for the nervous, anxiety-provoking, got to sit down with my child and tell them about the birds and the bees and, you know, okay, here it comes. These are ticklish, very personal, and very anxiety-provoking discussions. Mm-hmm. So I'm what I have found, both my professional and personal, I, as a parent, I've applied it myself very successfully. And you, you named it. I call it the aw shucks approach. I have found the best way to have these discussions and to get the points across that you want to with your child about these delicate issues, whether it be sex, drugs, or rock and roll, <laughs> is, is to, to fit it into the everyday conversations that are around the household or in your family. You're going to get plenty of opportunities, or as I might call as a psychologist, plenty of stimuli in your world in which to address an issue. Your dance example um, is a good one. After the dance, you know, a week later, you, something might stimulate you as you're on the, in the car with, with your children, which, by the way, I think is a great time to talk because you have a captive audience. They're trapped. Um, <laughs> they're trapped, and that's where aw shucks can come in. You're driving around, something just reminds you of the inappropriate things or a thing you saw at the dance. And you go, hey, you know what, guys? I want to make a comment. You know, this this reminds me of that dance, and what I saw, and you know, that's not appropriate or whatever. Wherever you go with it, but it, the point I want to make to the listeners is just that 
that spontaneous, you know, that just came to my mind, or oh shucks, you know, it just came to my mind, a vision of that, what I saw at that dance. And I want to tell you, I, I don't approve of that. And mm-hmm. it can extend so many different ways, um, whether it be sexuality, again, lifestyle, nutrition. Uh, here's an aw shucks moment as we're heading to the holiday season. You know, we're going to Aunt Sally's house for Thanksgiving, and she always has that seven-layer salad. You know, I've, I've had that nine different times, but it's chock full of sugar and fat, and it's really not that great for us. You know, so I think I'm going to avoid that and see what else, you know, she's got. Or maybe I might, you know, she always has that delightful salad. I'm going to dig into that salad, you know. Mm. You see how that works. It's just a spontaneous, and it's a great, you know, that, quite honestly, and then this is the balancing off kind of coming full circle in our discussion here today. You see how more effective that is than yelling. (laughs) <laughs> you know, exactly. Don't you have that? Don't don't have Aunt Sally's, you know, seven layer salad. You know, it's no good for you. You mm-hmm. know, what, what's the first thing they want to do? Have Aunt Sally's seven layer salad. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So or you, yeah, you, like you said, God forbid you make it the forbidden fruit. You know, it's like saying, you know, exactly. oh yeah, you need to put that in your mouth. Now you're going to give them a complex about food, or you know, it, there's so or many the things. Dancing. That, Getting back yep. to the dancing, or yep. you know, oh, you I better not see you do that dancing, or you're going to be in trouble. Rather mm-hmm. than, you know, this is why I don't like it. Ah, oh, shucks. You know, this is this is what really bothers me about it. Fantastic mm-hmm. communication. Absolutely. You know, and just fit it in everyday conversations. A lot of Pop psychologists are going to tell you, you know, you got to sit down and you got to have family meetings and get a circle, get all the chairs in a circle, and every Sunday night at nine o'clock you recap the week and start the new week. Kids hate that stuff. Sure <laughs> they, they absolutely do. abhor it. You, sure put, you fit it into a normal conversation, and kids just—they will just suck it up like it's manna from heaven. Exactly. And that's, that's my—that's the tool you were talking about. I thank you so much for that. That is, um, that's probably the culmination of everything that we've been talking about today is if you're going to be effective in parenting your child through these really, really tough periods in life, you have to be able to open up conversation and allow them to speak and appreciate the fact that they're entitled to their opinion. And even though we may not always agree with it, it's something, if you can't listen to your kid, then you can't teach your kid. So Dr. John, I want to thank you so much for being a, a, an amazing guest on my show and Aww. just so that everybody knows how to connect with you um, you're on uh, www.nogginpower2 that's the number 2.com and drjohnmayer.com and as always you can always connect with us on Facebook at Stop Raising Einstein we love to hear everything that you have to say this has been a wonderful show and I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to get this information out to our parent nation thanks everybody and we we'll hope you will Join us next time on Stop Raising Einstein. Thanks for listening to Stop Raising Einstein with your host, Tara Kennedy Klein. Make these Stop Raising Einstein principles your own. Love unconditionally, give freely, laugh openly, learn daily, grow immensely. And of course, listen to the show 